When you retire, you may get a chance to go to football heaven. This is football heaven. Welcome to the mission. I'm your host, Javier Howardson, and Happy New Year, everyone. As the Pro Football Hall of Fame kicks off the 2022 season, we're super excited. And right before last year, as you all know, the 15 Modern Era finalists were announced. Now, before we jump into today's show, over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to get the opportunity to catch up with some of these great legends of the game. And before I introduce today's guest, here's a look at the 15 Modern Era finalists, along with the three other finalists from the coaching, senior, and contributor categories. forget you can vote like a hall of fame selector by visiting profootballhof.com slash fan vote sponsored by ford and be eligible for several sweepstake prizes vote as many times as you wish to predict the five modern era players for this year's 2022 class of the pro football hall of fame and who knows you might just win a trip for two to canton ohio for enshrinement week powered by johnson controls Well, guys, now it's my honor to welcome our esteemed guest to the mission. He is the Dallas Cowboys all-time leader in sacks with 117, Denver Broncos Super Bowl champion 50, the first-time Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist, and guys, he's the NFL legend with the killer smile, Mr. DeMarcus Ware. Welcome to the mission, sir. How are you? Hey, thanks, man. It's all about the mission. Just like you said, I, I was a silent assassin and my mission was getting to that quarterback and I did that. So with a smile. <laughs> you did. You did. I, I got to say, DeMarcus, I'm jealous because as a kid growing up, I wish I had dimples. So I used to smile and try to put creases in my face. <laughs> you know what? I had no face hair. So you got me. Look, listen, I have no hair. So you got me beat there. So we, we we're 50-50 we're on that. All right. All right. Well, first and foremost, congratulations is definitely in order. When you hear first time finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, how does that resonate to you, sir? It's like one of those things where as a kid, I mean, you go all the way back and you think about things that you wanted to accomplish and you think about, you know, making a statement, um, making history and doing things the right way. So when you think about first ballot, first time fam finalists, it's one of those things where you know, when those things and you get even mentioned with guys that have done it, it's almost like there's a moment of silence because there's no words that can even describe the feeling of, you know what, all the guys that I looked up to, all the guys that I wanted to be like, the models that sort of made football, now you have an opportunity to be that. And there, I mean, I, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps even just talking about it right now because it's not just an opportunity. 
You know, it's not like, not like one of them things where it's like, hey, the door just opened up for you. No, it took um, a lifetime of commitment to get me to this point. And that's what it really means to me. If you wanted to try to sum it all up, a lifetime of commitment and sacrifice for something that's better to better the men that I was in the room with, to better um, an organization that I was part of. And now we're all saying, hey, you might have that opportunity to be in that pool now. How had the phone calls, the texts um, that have been coming in, the outpour of love and appreciation from your family members, your former teammates and coaches, what has that been like? You know, it's been really cool because a lot of the coaches that, you know, the Bill Parcells, the Zimmers, the Wade Phillips, the, the name of a couple of those guys, they call and I'm like, man, I remember me just calling and talking to them. I mean, they're not even coaching me anymore, just talking to them. And when you got the old players and you start thinking about those old locker room memories and, dog, oh, do you know that? You remember when it's all those type of conversation that you have, and it's not just about you. It's about all the guys that you got to play in the locker room with. They feel like they're part of that. Like, you know, when you win that Super Bowl, they feel like they're part of that forever. And it's cool now going back and reminiscing on all the memories and they're talking about it. And every single guy that I talked to, I never thought about it, but they were like, dude, you were that fucking dude. You know what I'm saying? They were like, you are that dude. And it's cool to now see that when you put your head down at the plow and you just work, now you get an opportunity to now not just showcase yourself, you're showcasing everything and everything that you've done that has come before you. Wow, that's amazing. And as far as Hall of Fame is a concern, I know you played and, and the Dallas Cowboys and, and the Denver Broncos. So I know there's a connection there with Hall of Famers, but who have been some of the Hall of Famers that have reached out to you and kind of shared their experiences and kind of said, wow, congratulations on being a finalist, you know? You know, you know what's so crazy? Uh, I've always looked up to Michael Strahan. Right. And, uh, you know, he mentored me when I was in college, when OC played with the Giants. It was him and OC. And to get reached out by, you know, Ray Lewis, you know, Troy Aikman, you know, just to name a few, Michael Irvin, Emmett. I mean, it's just been a, like an outpour. Even when I was up there with Peyton and listening to his speech and listening to all those guys' speeches and sitting down in that seat and see all those yellow jackets up there on the stage. And I see them pointing like, dog, you know what I'm saying? Like, dog, like, just me and you. And that felt really cool. And now to get the call for them guys, them guys, them guys don't call nobody, okay? They don't. And to be able to have that type of connection with a lot of the former guys, let you know that you've done it right. Wow. Well, DeMarcus, let's dive in. Let's talk about some football memories, and let's start with the Dallas Cowboys. As I mentioned in my intro, 117 sacks. And for the first eight seasons, I mean, I can't even say first eight seasons because, I mean, you were past three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You led the team in sacks, and you wore that C on your chest. Mm -hmm. Before we get to what it meant to you to be a captain, what are just some of your fondest memories of coming in? Because if you if you see right there, we got 2005, first round draft pick, 11th overall. <laughs> uh, 
man, I remember coming in into the locker room, I mean, playing from a small school like Troy. And we had one guy, his name was Famous Amos. He had a tape recorder, okay? And I came into the Dallas Cowboys, like you say, in 2005, being a first round draft pick. And I remember the first time coming into the locker room, I saw Larry Allen. And I was like, man, okay, there's Larry Allen. I looked over there with Drew Bledsoe, there was Flozell Adams, there was, I mean, you name it, it was like the monsters. And I'm just sitting there like quiet, sitting into the locker room. And I remember Larry Allen, he came to me and he said, hey, um, I want you to come work out with me. And so I mean, I'm like swallowing my spit. <laughs> Whatever you need me to do, please. <laughs> and uh, he said, put five plates on there. And I said, five plates? You can't split five plates. I mean, it's 545, no, five on one side, five on the other side. And I put the chains on there. And I tried to help him and assist him in racking it. And he racked it off himself. And he benched it 10 times. See, I didn't know that he was the strongest man in the NFL at the time. I didn't know anything about that. I found out about that right then. And he said, when you see this, this is what you're going to see every day when you go against me. And I would I mean, I almost like peed on myself when he, when, when he told me that. But that was like that wake, awakening that you have arrived into this NFL and you're going against the best. You're going to be taught by the best. And I want to learn from the best. And that 2005 season, I think that's who made me who I was when Bill Parcell said, I want you to be battle-hardened. And I saw them guys, when they first walked in, they were limping. But when they put them pads on, oh, my God, they turned into a whole nother type of team, type of guy. And it was just a cool experience, man. What was it like being coached by Bill Parcells? Because I had the opportunity <laughs> of working for the New York Jets as a young pup coming up and Parcells was no joke. And this is like coming off of his time with, you know, uh, the New York Giants and making his way. And he turned the franchise around. But what was it like as a player working for him? If you had the best poker player with the, with the tuna eyes is what they call it. He did not smile. and He had a poker face like it was no other. And he played so many mind games with me when I first came in. Um, he, I mean, being a first round draft pick, you had to get him his Gatorade. He likes, liked orange Gatorade. So I had to run over every break with some orange Gatorade on the other side. So by the time he gave himself about 10 minutes to walk to the other end of the end zone, I had to run all the way down there every single break. And one time I had some blue <laughs> Gatorade and uh, one of the trainers gave it to me, they were playing a joke. But it was funny because when I ran over there, he looked at me just like this. He said, you know, I don't like blue Gatorade, don't you? He gave it to me. Like he, they gave me the Gatorade. And uh, that, those are the types of things that with Bill Parcells, he played those games all the way to games in practice, games during the game where he would take you out and say, all right, well, then, you know, you're supposed to be getting a sack on this play. He'll let somebody else go in knowing that you're going against like the third string tackle, he would go stick another rookie in there. Or when the Dallas Desperados were here, he would have them practice on Wednesdays and say, hey, that's the guy that's going to be taking your position if you don't get out of the training table, right? You don't get out of that treatment room. 
And, you know, I had a guy named Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor played with a wood peg on his leg, and he had 50 sacks in, in three weeks. It was like stories that he would tell you that just belittle you, but it made you better. And that's the cool part that's also missing in the game today, uh, you know, having coaches like that that were really hard on you. He's to tell the guys, I never forget telling Keyshawn Johnson, oh, you pretty now. You're a first-round <laughs> draft pick. Oh, you handsome. All the girls are going to be after you. Oh, you handsome. Look at you. He was just yeah. – he was a hoop, but he was no yeah. joke. He, he was he, serious. He gets the he job done. done. He gets the job done. Yes, he does. Now, you, you, you led your team to five playoff appearances. Talk about how special those playoff runs were for you and your teammates. They were great because every year you got, you know, 70 to 90 guys coming together with one, just, just for one model, and that's being champions, right? You establish your motto, if it's iron sharpens iron or another man sharpens another like we did in Denver or GATA, get after that ass when we were in Dallas. We, we had those models of what we stood for during the season. And to get to the postseason with that, with those guys was so cool because you got to see it happen. And every year when we were in Dallas, we were a championship caliber team. And those are the things that a lot of the guys we miss when we always say, hey, what do you miss? I miss that locker room. I miss, like you was just about to get into that point of having that C on your chest. I miss that. I miss leading 90 guys through a tunnel. And when that fire comes out and comes up and you ignite that 12th man, there is nothing like it because you prepared and they appointed you to be that guy to lead them. I uh, listened to an interview that you did and, you know, you really went into depth and you talked about how you wanted to stay with the Dallas Cowboys. And unfortunately, just with the business and uh, Pro Football Hall of Famer Jerry Jones was like, go test the market. And and you did. And, and fortunately enough, you were able to go to the Denver Broncos, where in 2015, you went to the Super Bowl and won yeah. a Super Bowl. What made that season so special? Um. I think we believed in each other more that season than any other team that I've ever played on. Um, that year, that was a big roller coaster year for us because there was a year I got hurt. I had back problems, so I was out for six weeks. Peyton, we didn't know if he was going to come back or not. He, I mean, he couldn't even throw the ball 10 yards. His shoulder was messed up. His neck was messed up. And then me and Peyton were sitting in the treatment room at the time getting treated, looking out the window, and it's snowing. And you see the guys playing every week, three seconds left. We're in Kansas City. You know, somebody creates a fumble. They run it in. We win. You know what? It's 10 seconds left in Denver. And the Patriots, we're playing against the Patriots, against Tom Brady. You don't win against Tom Brady. The game is closed. C.J. Anderson missed three or four tackles, runs for 60, win the game. So me and me and Peyton looking at all this from the sideline. And we're like, man, this is going to be a special season. But it all started with Iron Sharpen Zion and another man Sharpen another having that motto during the offseason training camp, OTAs, mini camp, right? But then we got to the postseason. Mm -hmm. I went into the game and the crowd just, rah, right? And then guess who else goes into the game? Peyton. And you know, it just was on a whole, a whole nother level when he went in the game. And I feel like that was that spark that we needed during that time. But that's what was also missing. Like you were saying, what was missing from all those other seasons is that team camaraderie. 
They be, we believed in that each other when we didn't, you didn't even have the captains on the field. We believed in that motto. Then when we were at full tilt, there was nothing that no team can even do. I mean, three solo tackles, two assists, two sacks, and four hits on the quarterback. That's not a bad Super Bowl, DeMarcus. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and a bad bet. I mean, <laughs> I, I can barely even walk during that Super Bowl week. I didn't practice none that week. I just, just helped the guys. It was one of those things where I remember it was a meeting that we had that, you know, everybody gets up there and do their speech. I said to Marcus, you're not going to play the whole game. But I tell you what, you need to act like it. So I asked Elway, I said, Elway, hey, can you um, fly the trophy out? And he looked at me like, all right. So I had the trophy in my backpack. So imagine being in that meeting. Peyton gets up there and talking. We knew that it was Peyton's the last time because when the tears come out, we knew that it was the last time Peyton planned, so we had to win. And I said, D, you better bring it home. And I opened up that backpack. And I pulled out that trophy like this. Boom. And I sat there like this. I said, it was iron sharpens iron and another man sharpens another. Do you see this sword right here on this table? We built this. We molded this trophy. And I said, the Carolina Panthers are about coming here. I'm getting chills right now trying to steal what we built. And I said, who wants this? And I went through all the things throughout the season. Man, let me tell you something. If you see some googly eyes and them guys and like, hey, I'm just to run through a wall tomorrow. I said, before y'all leave, I want for y'all to walk. And I want you for you to touch this trophy because you own it. It's yours. And somebody want to come take it. So y'all just let me know how y'all want to sleep tonight. And I walked out. Man. I, I, I get pumped right now just even thinking about, you know, just the things that have transpired during that year. But it was cool. It's so matter of fact. Wow. Wow, that's that's amazing. And then, you know, all said and done, you had the opportunity to go back for a day, sign a contract and retire as a Dallas Cowboy, the team that brought you in in 2005. Yeah. Just, you know, the where the star is one thing, but then to retire as a Dallas Cowboy. What did that mean to you? It meant, it meant a lot for me because, you know, that's the team that gave me a chance. I remember when Bill Parcells came in, he wanted Sean Merriman, and they had a dollar bet, Bill Parcells and Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones, I bet you're a dollar that, you know, he can average 10 sacks for the first three years. I averaged over 11 or 12 sacks for 12 years. And I told him, I said, you know, I'm not going to let you down. And, you know, being part of that Dallas Cowboy organization, I didn't, first, I didn't know exactly um, how big that star was until I got there. And I told myself, I want to itch my name in stone in this star and I want it to last forever. That's what I, that's what I told myself. And it was on my locker, up under my locker. I still got that piece right now. It's a plaque that I had. I, I carved it out with a little razor. And every year, that's what I did. And now being able to go back and retire for that organization and walk into that stadium 
and sit right here and saying, you look up there and you're like, man, they're talking about putting my name up there around that ring of honor. That's what's etching your name in stone and something it's like. And then to take it even further, you know what the NFL's telling me? They're telling me, uh, DeMarcus, we are giving you an opportunity and saying you are part of this opportunity with amongst 15 other guys this year that you probably get to etch your name in stone forever in the NFL. And that's, you got the star. This is the NFL. This is the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This is God's country type thing, the football gods type thing. And I'm just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. What motivates you, Demarcus? You know, I'm sitting back and I'm listening, and I gotta, I have to ask you about your mentors. Because it is it's it's motivating me and it's motivating and like I I've been doing my homework and and just everything I, I I just I watch your videos and I read and and I just need to know like who are your mentors who motivated you who was the one that put the clay together says Demarcus Ware you know what's so crazy um I, I would probably say my granddad. My granddad and my mom, I grew up without my dad. He left when I was three years old, so I didn't get to see him until I was like 18 years old. And I always knew that there was something that was missing. You know, I, I, I had a lot of anger as a kid. I came from nothing, 800 square foot little apartment in Auburn, Alabama. Um, and I just worked. And I, my, granddad had, my granddad had three jobs. My mom, she had two jobs. And I just knew that they liked to work, so I needed to work, right? But then there was something that helped me channel that anger. Like a lot of people see me smiling all the time, but inside I figured out how to channel the anger of hate and, 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 being, and make it a, a sacrifice that was bigger than myself. And that was one thing getting into football that helped me do that, right? But when I found God, when I found God, like that's what helped me channel my spirit. And then it got to a point where every week when I played, I told myself, I got six days to prepare for a seventh day of Sunday. And every Sunday is going to be the Bible that people read, which is going to be me. I want them to see God. I want them to see that man on Sunday. And I tell you what, it's like, I want for God to play that video game on Sunday. I'm going to be prepared for be preparing for six days, but on that seventh day, I'm going to give it to you. And he did that. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Thank, yeah, you. thank you. Thank you. You know, looking at, um, as we switch gears and looking at your former team, the Dallas Cowboys, you know, what excites you about this season as they prepare, you know, to head into the playoffs? You know, it's cool, man, because I just actually had lunch with Michael Parsons and uh, he was just saying, Hey D, um, you know, what do I, what do I expect? What do I, what should I expect? Especially coming in as a rookie, you know, a lot saw me, what, you know, so on and so forth. So I told him, I said, you've already done everything you needed to do. I said, this is another game that you're going to get out there and you're going to play. And, you know, you just need to go out there and play it. But I'm happy to see like the Cowboys in the playoffs because it, you know, it can be up and down, man. It can be, I, even when I play, you don't know what you're going to get from week to week. And, um, you know, it's exciting now 
to be mentoring a lot of the younger guys that are coming up, but then seeing it work and them getting into the playoffs, and now I'm sitting there like at the TV, like, man, come on, let me see, let, let me see what what I told you. Can you do it? And um, it's like a father, like it's almost like a father thing, me giving back to him as much as I can, and then seeing it work and then being like the happy dad. How impressed have you been with the way Dak has come in, handle his business? And it was so unfortunate to see him go down, but to see him reap the benefits and him being taken care of and then coming into this season, it's like, whoa, I mean, you talk about the work of the Lord. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And um, when you have a big injury like that, especially a quarterback, and I think this is plant foot that he's actually, he actually hurt one of them, but either way, you know, it's it was a bad injury, and for him to stay focused and quiet, he stayed quiet the whole time. He worked. He got criticized. He's gonna come back, and then I think it was a contract year. He, you know, did what he needed to do, got his money. But then I'm in the playoffs again. Like, how cool is that for a guy to keep his composure under so much criticism, under so much spotlight? And being able to take that because playing for the Dallas Cowboys is real. Like, I mean, you, you're under that, that starlight every week, every day, no matter what you do. And he's been taking it well, man. And I mean, he's, look, as they say, that's my quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> and how far do you think they can go? I think they can go really far if they play consistent. You know, during the season, they've been up and down. The first six games, they balled out and then they start having a little low. But, you know, they've had a little bit of time off. And now they can come back and just run the football. They got to feed Zeke. And if they can, you know, consistently get those big plays on defense with Diggs, you know, Gregory, Micah, just to name a few of those guys, if they can play like that, they're going to be hard to beat and they can go deep into the playoffs. You know, Demar excuse me, Demarcus, we uh, lost a legend this year, last year in John Madden. Um, when you think of Madden, you know, what do you think he did for the game of football? And, you know, do you have any um, Madden, Madden stories that you got a chance to meet uh, the Pro Football Hall of Famer? You know, uh, when you think about football, I'm just talking about as a kid, while I played, after I played, there's not a voice that can ever be like his, a staple that can ever, it's, it's, it's like one, it's, it's like one of those things, you, you can't substitute it. There's no words for it. But when you say John Madden, it's almost like Mr. Football. He is Mr. Football that transcended from playing to commentating to a video game. Every day I hear John Madden at my house because my son played every single day. When you start talking about a living legend, somebody that is gonna, you're gonna he's gonna live forever. That's what John Madden is to the game. Someone that's a staple that's going to be there forever. That's right. And before we let you go, currently, what do you have going on? What business ventures do you are you working on that you want to let us know about and how people can get involved with? You know, now, during COVID, um, 
I made my new locker room, the weight room, and I opened up a gym here. It's called Three Bolt Fitness. And um, we're almost at full capacity, which is great. And I get an opportunity to now affect people, not just from inside of the stadium, but, you know, fans outside of, outside of the stadium through fitness. And it's Three Bolt Fitness. You can go to threeboltfit.com and, you know, sign up for classes. I actually teach um, some of the classes too, but, you know, teaching people to have championship mentalities now through fitness, living better lives. And so now I can touch and be in contact with more people, not just from a football standpoint. That's great. I love it. But that's why you'll come talk to me. But then I can get you from a fitness and everything else standpoint. So I just been getting big into fitness and loving that and mentoring the kids and, and just been enjoying life. That's amazing. And lastly, before we let you go, what would this honor mean? We know you're a finalist now, but to receive that final notice that you're in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, what would that mean to your family, to you, and your football legacy? Um, it would mean a lifetime of sacrifice is finally getting hurt. And what I mean by that is I sacrifice, sacrifice my life for the sport. I sacrificed my life for all the guys that have been there. But it's, it's saying that the hard work that you put in isn't going unheard. And we want people to see that you can come from zero. When people, I hear people saying all the time, oh man, I, I came from the projects. Everybody that's in the hall has that type of feeling that they have sacrificed. And now that I have climbed that mountain and put in that resume, I have my hand here saying, just grab it. Because this is a guy now that wants to also keep pushing with those other yellow jackets and pull up some other guys to make it even better. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Demarcus Ware, right here on the mission. We wish you the best, sir. Yes, sir. We want to thank yes, you sir. so much for your time. All right, thanks, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Demarcus Ware, thank you for joining us right here on the mission. And as I mentioned earlier, over the next few weeks, we're going to get the golden opportunity of catching up with some of these amazing greats who have played this game of football and who are members and finalists of the 2022 class of the Pro Football Hall of Fame.